Welcome to Understanding the Bible with Pastor Stephen. This is episode 45, Dinosaurs and the Bible, part three. So last time we talked about how long ago dinosaurs really lived. Using uh, carbon-14 radiometric dating, uh, we actually showed that those are based on assumptions, not actual verifiable science. Carbon-14 and other radiometric dating uses circular reasoning. If a fossil is found in an area that is determined to have rock layers of 50 million years, then that fossil must be 50 million years old. The rock is determined to be 50 million years old because it contains the fossils that they already decided were 50 million years old because of the rocks, because of the fossils, etc. What we haven't discussed yet is the biblical proof of dinosaurs and humans together and that argument for the young earth at the very beginning from the book of Genesis. Go back and listen to the first episode if you haven't heard that or if you don't quite understand it yet. Let's get into it. Dinosaurs in the Bible. So from creation day five and six, Genesis one verse 21 says, And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind, and God saw that it was good. Verse 23, And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth after his kind. And it was so. Verse 31. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. That is where we get the idea that these dinosaurs lived with humans. If we believe the Bible, day five and six, God made all the dinosaurs along with all the other animals. And day six, he made humans. What is the actual evidence, though? like scientific, historic evidence in the Bible. Believe it or not, there's several passages. We go back to the oldest book of the Bible, the book of Job, where it talks about the behemoth. Uh, Job 40, starting in verse 15, it says, Behold now behemoth, which I made with thee, he eateth grass as an ox. Lo now, his strength is in his loins, and his force is in the navel of his belly. He moveth his tail like a cedar. Those are great trees from Lebanon. Cedar is like a huge tree, okay? The sinews of his stones are wrapped together. His bones are as strong pieces of brass. His bones are like bars of iron. He is the chief of the ways of God. Verse 23, Behold, he drinketh up a river and hasteth not. He trusteth that he can draw up Jordan into his mouth. So big that when he drinks, it's like he's drinking a whole river. He taketh it with his eyes, his nose pierceth through snares. So this description of a great beast is way bigger than an elephant. And the way it describes its bones and the chief as the ways of God, this thing is a huge, massive beast. To me, that sounds like a brontosaurus. Drinks up a whole river, tail like a cedar tree, gigantic with his bones like bars of iron. It's amazing. So that's one of the biggest ones where you wonder, okay, where did they get this description of a living, breathing, drinking animal that moves its tail? Well, they didn't find part of a skeleton somewhere and figure all that stuff out. Okay. When this was written way back, like 2000 BC, they saw these things. Somebody did, right? Then you look at the next one, which is the Leviathan in Job 41, and I'll read you a couple more verses here, but you should really read the entire book of Job 
but especially chapter 40 and 41 if you want to know about dinosaurs. Now, the word in this book for Leviathan in Hebrew is a wreathed animal, a serpent, a large sea monster, or figuratively the constellation of the dragon as a symbol of the Babylonian Empire. That's the word Leviathan in Hebrew, which we transliterated into English as Leviathan. So I just want to read a couple of verses. I'm not going to read the whole chapter here, but these are descriptions of clearly a great beast, okay? Canst thou draw out Leviathan with a hook, or his tongue with a cord, which thou lettest down? Canst thou put a hook into his nose, or bore his jaw through with a thorn? Will thou play with him as with a bird, or wilt thou bind him for thy maidens? Canst thou fill his skin with barbed irons, or his head with fish spears? Lay thine hand upon him, remember the battle, do no more. Behold, the hope of him is in vain. Shall not one be cast down even at the sight of him? None is so fierce that dare stir him up. Who can open the doors of his face? His teeth are terrible round about. His scales are his pride, shut up together as with a closed seal. One is so near to another that no air can come between them. They are joined one to another. They stick together that they cannot be sundered. By his sneezings, a light does shine and his eyes are like the eyelids of the morning. Out of his mouth go burning lamps and sparks of fire leap out. Out of his nostrils go smoke as out of a seething pot or cauldron. His breath kindleth coals and a flame goeth out of his mouth. In his neck remaineth strength and sorrow is turned into joy before him. The flakes of his flesh are joined together. They are firm in, his, in themselves. They cannot be moved. His heart is as firm as a stone, yet as hard as a piece of the nether millstone. When he raiseth up himself, the mighty are afraid. The sword of him that layeth on him cannot hold, the spear, the dart, nor the habergeon. He esteems iron as straw and brass as rotten wood. The arrow cannot make him flee. Sling stones are turned with him into stubble. Darts are counted as stubble. He laughs at the shaking of a spear. Sharp stones are under him. He spreadeth sharp pointed things upon the mire. He maketh the deep to boil like a pot. He maketh the sea like a pot of ointment. Upon earth there is not his like who is made without fear. He beholdeth all high things. He is a king over all the children of pride. So this is an amazing description of a scaled creature that has body armor that people have hunted that spears, darts, habergeons, uh, swords don't do anything to him. He breathes fire. He sneezes and sparks come out and smoke pours out of his nostrils. When he bites iron, like a sword or a spear, it's like straw. And brass is like rotten wood to him. That's how strong he is that he can break metal. The arrow does not scare him. He makes the deep to boil like a pot. This is a creature that comes out of the ocean, appears to live in the ocean. He makes the deep to boil. So he makes the water boil. Either it's so big that when he comes up, it looks like the water's boiling. Or maybe it's the, the fire that comes out of his mouth that actually makes the water hot and boil and steam. I don't know. Doesn't really specify that. But then look at that last verse, Job 41, 34. It says, he beholds all high things. He is king over all the children of pride. Kind of makes me think that he's able to climb something very high, like a mountain, or fly, 
I don't know. I have no idea. But it strikes me as that as though this were some sort of dragon that breathes fire, right? Now, it's not only mentioned in the book of Job, it's also mentioned in Psalms and Isaiah. Psalm 74 talks about um, the Lord breaking the heads of the dragons and the Leviathan into pieces to give meat for all the inhabitants of the wilderness. So it's obviously huge and big enough that God has to kill it to feed the people. And then Psalm 104, starting in verse 25, says everything great and small creeps in, in the oceans and even there goes the ships, but there's the Leviathan that plays in the ocean around the ships. Then you look at Isaiah 27, verse 1, it says, In that day the Lord with his sore and great and strong sword shall punish Leviathan, the piercing serpent, even Leviathan, that crooked serpent, and he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea. If you look at the ancient maps uh, of the seagoing uh, tribes and Vikings and, and different groups of people, you know how they thought the earth was flat and they were like, uh, at the end of it, here be monsters or, you know, danger, don't go any further beyond this are dragons. It's quite possible that ancient people, seafaring people, actually saw these things. It makes sense that the Bible describes these things in three different books, Isaiah, Psalms, and Job. To say that the Bible does not talk about dinosaurs, it kind of depends on what your definition of dinosaur is. Is it a great beast that the Bible just gives a strange name for? Is it a type of dragon that breathes fire? that the Bible gives a strange name for? Is that what you consider a dinosaur? Obviously, it's some sort of extinct creature, you know, two different ones, the behemoth and the Leviathan, that we don't understand and haven't seen in modern times, right? And keep in mind that Job's story is from earlier than the second millennium. Might have been written down through oral tradition by Moses or Elijah or directly given to Moses by God, to write the book of Job. But keep in mind, the Bible is not the only place that mentions Job. This Job from the Bible is mentioned in the Armana letters circa 1350 BC. And he's also mentioned in the Egyptian execration text in 2000 BC. So the book of Job was written clearly before 2000 BC. Very old. So we're talking like that's 4,000 some odd years ago, maybe 4,500, maybe even 5,000 years from the present time is when the book of Job was written. So we're not saying that this is a modern day beast. We're saying that they were familiar with these dinosaurs in that time period. Here's some more proof of that. We'll get to talking here about cave drawings and such sculptures and things around the ancient world. But I want you to understand here that the evolutionary concept of mankind evolving from some sort of monkey or ape to an upright character that didn't quite think and then developed fire. All of that is complete BS with zero evidence. Okay. And we'll get into that another time, but I want you to understand the idea of a caveman is really not some prehistoric hairy man that can barely talk. Okay. A caveman is a modern day human being that happens to live in a cave. And here's some examples from the Bible. Genesis 19, Lot and his family lived in a cave. 1 Samuel 22, David and his mighty men lived in caves. The Bible talks about in Samuel uh, that he had about 400 men that lived with him in caves. You don't think maybe one of those guys was telling a story about something he hunted and drew a picture of it on the wall 
and maybe he's not the best artist or maybe he only had rocks to, to draw with because they were being hunted by King Saul. You don't think 400 men sitting around telling stories around a campfire in caves wouldn't ever draw on a wall. I mean, it's just, <laughs> that's the nature of human beings. What about first Kings 18 Obadiah and the prophets during the reign of Jezebel lived in caves. Judges 11 Jephthah and his men, uh, they were outcasts from society. Possibly they lived in caves. Now we don't know. The Bible doesn't say that, but they were outcast and ran and hid. Cave dwellings is common sense for human beings searching for shelter. Jesse James and his outlaw band all across the Midwest, notably in Missouri, hid in caves. So cave dwellings, cave men, and cave paintings are very logical, scientific, and clearly something that modern-day humans have always done. You don't have to have an evolutionary caveman that did cave paintings of dinosaurs, right? So let's look at some of those. Cave drawings and sculptures, uh, stone slabs found in uh, Flora Vista, New Mexico, dated to about 1200 AD, um, have mammoths carved into them. Uh, the Triceratops and T-Rex is in Peru. A Dr. Uh, Javier Darkey, Darkey is a research professor at Ica National University. He found a stone on the Nazca Desert Plains with a startling accurate depiction of Triceratops and a theropod dinosaur somewhat similar to T-Rex or an Allosaurus. The pterosaur, uh, Fran Barnes, a recognized authority on rock art of the American Southwest, found in the San Rafael swell a pictograph that looks like a pterosaur, which is presumed by evolutionists to be a Cretaceous flying reptile. Interestingly enough, not far from there, the University of Ohio actually excavated a fossil pterosaur. How did these people know how to draw these dinosaurs with skin, movements, the ways to hunt them, like in the book of Job, and things like that. How did these people know what these dinosaurs looked like with skin if they didn't actually see them, right? That's something you have to think about. Sioux Indians have long referred to the Thunderbird in their mythology and always draw it as something that looks very much like a pteranodon. There's a petroglyph in Arizona's Havasupai Canyon. I probably said that wrong, which shows a creature with the unmistakable upright stance and balancing table of some other known dinosaurs, but unlike any other creature known to man. The Hongshan Chinese carvings date back about 4,000 years, recently unearthed in China, depicts dinosaurs. In the Taprom Temple near Siem Reap, Cambodia, the Stegosaurus carving is surrounded by animals that are still alive today, including monkeys, parrots, swans, and a water buffalo. So the, the point of me saying that is there are so many places around the world where they draw dinosaurs alongside modern day animals and the evolutionist theory, their, their timeline of events does not allow for modern day animals to be alive during the time of dinosaurs. So how did they see these dinosaurs and why would they depict them as something current that can be hunted or eaten or with other animals that they've seen? On Bishop's Bell's tomb in Carlisle, England, there's a drawing uh, engraved next to a bird, a pig, a fish, and a dog of a long-necked dinosaur. This is clearly incongruent with evolutionists' fake timeline of millions of years between these ancient animals and modern species. The Ica stones of Peru have many other animals besides dinosaurs. 
contrast these uh, with how modern dinosaur illustrations depict, quote, scientifically accurate settings. Modern dinosaur illustrations always show prehistoric creatures. They're not listed. They're not drawings or, or cartoons or or things made with humans, monkeys, giraffes, bears, etc. Uh, of things that supposedly evolved millions of years after dinosaurs went extinct. Ancient dinosaur artwork is repeatedly found in context of coexistence with humans and animals all around the world. Don't forget uh, writings of ancient people. Herodotus, a historian from the 5th century BC, documented the existence of winged serpents. He wrote, quote, There is a place in Arabia situated very near the city of Bateau to which I went on hearing of some winged serpents, and when I arrived there, I saw bones and spines of serpents in such quantities it would be impossible to describe. End quote. So that's very recent when you talk on the millions of years scale. 2,500 years ago? And bones and spines of serpents with wings? That's crazy. In 600 BC, under the reign of King Nebuchadnezzar, a Babylonian artist was commissioned to shape reliefs of animals on the structures uh, around the Ishtar Gate. Many centuries later, a German archaeologist, uh, Robert Coldway, stumbled upon the blue glazed brick, and that gate uh, again was rediscovered in 1899. The animals are in alternating rows with lions, fierce bulls, and curious long-necked dragons called Surush. The lions and bulls were present at that time in the Middle East. So this German archaeologist believed that the Surush was a portrayal of a very real animal. And 20 years later, in 1918, the closest animal he could find that actually looks like it is the dinosaur Iguanodon. All of these and thousands more lead to the inescapable conclusion that mankind in almost every culture has seen live dinosaurs or dragons. Now, the new evolutionary excuse that these drawings and sculptures were depictions that ancient cultures extrapolated from fossils that they found is complete conjecture made without evidence or logic as there is no record of fossil finds or scientific digs any earlier than the last couple hundred years. History records how people all over the world told stories of living with dragons or dinosaurs. The evidence is not confined to just works of natural history and literature, but in everyday chronicles of events. Eyewitness accounts that were set down by people of standing, kings, knights, monks, bishops, scholars, people that were given saint status later on. This is not something that is just one particular creationist viewpoint in one culture. This is worldwide. All of this is no surprise since the Bible indicates that there's only been a couple thousand years since the flood of Noah's day. So the extinction of the dinosaurs must have occurred sometime in the last 4,000 years or so. This leads us to what about fossils? Okay, do we have any fossil proof of humans and dinosaurs together? Well, the first fossils documented a discovery began back in the 1820s when Mantell, an English doctor, found some unusual teeth and bones in a quarry. The scientists didn't really start documenting and searching for fossils until then. Cave drawings most likely are from humans seeing the animals. The first thing that I would bring up as proof of dragons and dinosaurs is the Dracorex hogswartsia. It's a nearly complete skull discovered in the Hell Creek Formation in South Dakota, 
by three inexperienced paleontologists and donated to the Children's Museum of Indianapolis in 2004. Jack Horner, a renowned paleontologist, studied the dinosaur and concluded that it must be a juvenile pachycephalosaurus instead of a dragon. So he took this skull, and you'd have to look it up. The, the Dracorex Hogwartsia is amazing. It looks like a dragon, okay? With the bony spikes and horns and, and frill and like everything. It's clearly a dragon skull that you've seen in all the movies. So his reasoning for why it's not a dragon is based on the fact that dragons aren't real. So he determined it is a juvenile Pachycephalosaurus because, well, we have no evidence that it's not. And we know dragons aren't real, so it can't be a dragon skull. So it must be something else. Even though the spikes, the skull shape, and bony protrusions aren't present in the adult Pachycephalosaurus, he said, well, that's, that's clearly why it's a juvenile. They must lose all of that, all of those features, as it becomes a grown adult animal. So its skull changes, it loses horns, all of these little bony protrusions just go away because it can't be anything else because we know dragons aren't real. That's the type of scientific reasoning that we get in modern day, in the modern day world. Now, that's just one example of scientists refusing to use science because it doesn't fit their narrative. That complete disregard for scientific evidence is precisely why I use the verse 1 Timothy 6.20 so often. It says, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so called. They call themselves scientists, but they don't use science. Now let's get into the irrefutable proof that humans and dinosaurs walked together. Number one, we have Dinosaur Valley State Park, Texas. The Willette print is an adult male. A human male next to dinosaur tracks. The feminine print is a female human track inside of a dinosaur track, fossilized, open to the public at Dinosaur Valley State Park. It is irrefutable evidence that these things were together at the same time. In the mud, humans walked, dinosaurs walked, then something catastrophic happened and those footprints were fossilized. The Delk print shows a human footprint intruded by a tridactyl print that means a dinosaur stepped on the footprint of a human now these things are thought by evolutionists to be 120 million years old two scientists milne and Schaffersman, admitted in the journal of geological education in 1983 quote such an occurrence would seriously disrupt conventional interpretations of biological and geological history and would support the doctrines of creationism and catastrophism if verified, end quote. Verified by what? They have dinosaur prints that they say are 120 million years old, human footprints in them, under them, and next to them, fossilized together, so they have to be 120 million years old, but they reject the human footprints because they say those aren't verified but the dinosaur ones are. Here's a couple more. Mary Leakey's famous Latoli track in Tanzania. Latoli prints are also prob problematic for evolutionists because they appear fully modern, and yet the rock layer is dated to about 3.5 million years ago, too old for modern Homo sapiens, according to evolution. There's another one, the Zapata track found in Permian limestone in New Mexico, which causes all kinds of problems for, for scientists. 
Then you have the Robledo Mountain site containing thousands of footprints and invertebrate trails that represent dozens of different kinds of animals. Because of the quality of preservation and sheer multitude of different kinds of footprints, these footprints, this track site has been called the most important early Permian site ever discovered by scientists. The fossil tracks that the discoverer, McDonald, has collected include a number of what paleontologists like to call problematic. Dinosaurs and human prints and modern bear prints all fossilized in the same layer of rock. That's from the Smithsonian, 1992. The Meister print found in Utah is in a block of shale. It was first publicized in the CRS Quarterly as the footprint containing a trilobite fossil, which if you guys are into science, the trilobites are like one of the oldest fossils ever. Inside that, next to it, was a fossilized shoe sole, petrified in that rock. This print specimen is so clear that the threads in the shoe are visible to the naked eye. Also published in this journal is the 1995 study of human tracks found with tracks of dinosaurs in Strata near Tuba City, Arizona. In 1983, Professor, I'm going to screw this one up, Amaniyazov, the director of Turkmenia's Institute of Geology, reported what appeared to be a human footprint in Mesozoic Strata. I'm going to call him Dr. A, was shocked beyond belief, and he stated, quote, if we speak of the human footprint, it was made by a human or human-like animal. Incredibly, this footprint is on the same plateau where there are dinosaur tracks. We can say the age of this footprint is not 5 or 10, but at least 150 million years old. It is 26 centimeters long. That is Russian size 43 EEE or 9.5 American shoe size. And we consider that whoever left the footprint was taller than we are. This would create a revolution in the science of man. In Scientific American, uh, geologist Albert G. Ingalls writes, quote, If a man or even his ape ancestors, or even that ape ancestor's early mammalian ancestor, existed as far back as the Carboniferous period in any shape, then the whole science of geology is so completely wrong that all the geologists will resign their jobs and take up truck driving. Hence, for the present at least, science rejects the attractive explanation that man made these mysterious prints in the mud. End quote. So here's a scientist who is honest, a geologist. He's saying all of these footprints that we've found, especially the ones at the Berean human footprint site, proof that these are greater than 150 million years old, according to their timeline, right? So human footprints with dinosaur footprints. If we choose to believe this attractive explanation that is scientifically proven, that man made these footprints in the mud, then every scientist must resign their job and take up truck driving because we've been wrong about evolution of man, the age of the earth, and when dinosaurs roamed. We're all wrong. Science is completely wrong. So he says, therefore, for the present at least, science rejects that. So science proves it, and all scientists have to reject it and not teach it. That is evolutionary biology today. That is scientists today. That is your state of affairs in academia 
today. We know something to be true, but we reject it and won't teach it because then it proves that we are wrong about everything. Isn't that crazy? Here's the conclusion about humans with dinosaurs. Number one, God said it. God created them and humans together on day five and six. There is plenty of evidence, but scientists choose to ignore, deny, or flat out lie about it. Almost every ancient culture has stories of some type of giant animal, bird, or dragon, and the fossil proof is irrefutable. But most people just aren't aware of it because it's deliberately hidden or ignored because the evidence proves that scientists are wrong about evolution. Dinosaurs lived with and were hunted by humans. That's why cave paintings show humans hunting dinosaurs. That's why the book of Job talks about hunting dinosaurs. Next episode, we're going to dive into Noah's Ark and how the dinosaurs survived in order for those ancient cultures to see them. I hope you'll tune in next time. Thank you for listening. Please go to my profile and support this podcast. Even if it's just with $1 a month, that would help a great deal. I'm working on a YouTube channel to be able to actually do video with this. And I look forward to talking to you again. As always, you can contact me, angrypatriot42 at yahoo.com. And until next time, may God bless you all.